while your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Farrow, 508-996-0500 is how you can join me this evening. Also taking your messages on the WBSM app chat if you want to join in the conversation. I think the the primary, com- I mean, we were t- been talking about a lot. There's, um, you know, we had, you know, we talked about Rep. Hendricks's bill uh, to expand Medicaid coverage for victims of, of violent crime. Uh, we talked about how the Massachusetts economy has recovered and how it should continue to recover and how it can continue to recover from the uh, economic uh, pitfalls of the COVID-19 pandemic. And uh, we got some calls on, um, I think, a couple of really interesting topics. One is the, um, the, the Cape Cod Bridge and the, you know, the two Cape Cod Bridges which uh, were recently denied an application for, I think, a billion in grant funding from the bipartisan infrastructure bill. Um, the Army Corps of Engineers had rejected it, and the other, uh, and the other was the decision to move state primaries uh, by the Democratic Party. Now, again, uh, you know, with that, like I said, Chris Sununu had said. Now, Chris Sununu, of course, is the governor for New Hampshire. For people who may not know. He was widely seen as a candidate for that could he widely seen as a candidate that could run for Senate um, against Maggie Hassan and do pretty well. The Sununus are a very well known. They're like the Kennedy family, but in New Hampshire, uh, his father, John Sununu, I believe, was also governor of New Hampshire. He was also chief of st- I know for a fact he was chief of staff. Um, to George H.W. Bush in the early, the late 80s, early 90s. His brother, um, I think his brother's name was also Johnson Sununu, I can't remember, was a U.S. senator from New Hampshire for a time. And now Chris is the, uh, Chris is the governor. Interesting guy. Um, really, like just watching him speak, really good presence. Uh, really good presence. And... I think would be a strong candidate if he ran. Feel like the party's kind of set in DeSantis. I think Sununu is a more. I feel like Sununu is a more electable person f- for the Republicans nationwide. Um, 
Because a lot of what Ron DeSantis's big pitch is is basically being a culture warrior. You know, like whatever you can't have gay teachers in Florida anymore, and we're going to ban African studies and whatever. We're going to you know take surveys on transgender ki- how many transgender kids are in school, right? Like that kind of I don't know. I mean, frankly, homophobia, transphobia, etc. Um, that's all culture war stuff that I think we saw play out in the midterms didn't do very well. And frankly, uh, you know, Sununu ran for, for Senate against Maggie Hassan. I'm not saying he would have won. It's a little bit of a different election. You know, New England, for example, and New, New Hampshire does typically have a split. They're typically split on senators like New Hampshire, like, so it was Kelly Ayotte actually was the New Hampshire senator. Um, she was the attorney general of New Hampshire, too, for a while. She was a Republican, widely seen as a rising star in the party. And I, on the short list for Mitt, Mitt Romney's vice presidential pick, she lost in 2016, barely, barely lost in 2016 um, to, I believe it was Maggie Hassan. Yeah, because Gene Shaheen ended up running against Scott Brown and beating him like two years later. Or maybe two years earlier in 2014. Yeah, that's what happened. And so Maggie Hassan, I believe, was the governor of New Hampshire. And then went on to to beat Kelly Ayotte again by like fractions of a point um, in the uh, in the Senate election. So they typically split their senators. They've had two Democratic senators for a long time. They ended up running Don Bulldock, who is, you know, a, a well-decorated, um, you know, well-decorated, I think, um, I want to say general, but a well-decorated member of the military, but, um, you know, espoused, I think, sort of that election denial type of stuff that really lost Republicans a lot of seats, a lot of opportunities for seats, I should say, nationwide. So I feel, I think Sununu would be better for them for more. I, I said this actually when I was talking with Jess on her show a couple weeks ago, um, that sort of culture war stuff. I don't think this plays out very well in a lot of other most most states, most places that you need votes to win a presidential election or to hold a majority in Congress. And if they don't go back to the more kitchen table issues that people are really concerned about, because um, for one reason or another, for some reason, the Republicans are actually, I think, poll on, based on polling, more trusted on economic issues. I don't know why, but um, but I think they're more trust on economic issues. But when you've got that sort of insane Marjorie Taylor Greene stuff going on, um, that's not going to, you know, they're they're not going they're they're going to vote against that every time for the most part. And I think that's what ended up losing them a lot of winnable elections. Um, you know, so I feel like he's a better candidate. He seems to be indicating that he's running for president. Uh, and so we'll see how that uh, plays out. I don't know how that plays out with this governorship, too, because I think the governor in New Hampshire is two-year terms. I know Vermont's two-year terms. I think governor in New Hampshire's two-year terms, too. So I don't know if he'd have to give up his governor's seat to run for president or if he could do it in a time, you know, or if he could run for both. I know people have done that before. Um, Lee Zeldin ran for governor and ran, ran for Congress in, in New York. So maybe there's something in state law that would, would allow that to happen or maybe he'd be able to get back on the ballot in time if he wasn't successful. I have no idea. But I don't know. I think that's, you know. I, I think that'll be pretty interesting. So 508-996-0500 is so how you can join. Good evening. Good evening. You letting me back on? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, let's talk about uh, the other thing you brought up, I think, briefly, the teacher strike in Worcester. Yeah, uh, Woburn. Uh, Woburn, I'm sorry. 
okay, uh, you know, um, I know teachers have a very hard job, even harder than before because of the COVID issues in the past and everything. Uh, but, you know, it's just like cops and fire, you can't allow them to strike. You know, maybe a, a solution to that would be uh, some sort of binding, binding arbitration where you bring somebody in. Because well, well, per state law, they're, they're not supposed yeah, to I strike. Yeah, I know, but uh, I don't know if you listened to Tim's show this morning. There was a gentleman that came on who was around in the New Bedford strike uh, years ago. Yeah. And he mentioned that they went on strike and some of the uh, leadership actually went to jail. And the male leadership went to jail down yeah. at the House of Correction on Union Street there, yep. which, of course, isn't very pleasant. And he also mentioned that after the strike was over, uh, the teachers were heavily fined, big time. Yes. And they came out of their paycheck every week, I guess, uh, uh, on a uh, spread out basis. So uh, I just think because you've you got to have the kids in school, and I, I understand that. And also, b- besides the kids not getting an education, uh, so many parents depend upon the kids to be in school uh, so they can go to work and, uh, you know, do what they have to yeah, do. Yeah, and, 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 and uh, not only that, I mean, Woburn's providing free lunches for kids who need it, but if you're not there, yeah. I think it's probably a little bit yeah. difficult to yeah. get them those free meals. But that's... That's sadly one of the um, benefits of school mm-hmm. is that a lot of kids who can't afford lunches get free lunch there. But to try to be fair you know, to the teachers, I think there should be some form of binding arbitration where you call in a third party, they listen to both sides, and then they come up with a solution and you go from there. That sounds I, like Section 21 to 23 You know that New Bedford, that Mayor Mitchell tries to take up with the city council. You he, know? Want, he wants to get rid of it or something? Or he wants no, to no. He, so Mitchell's been trying to moved for that for years but the city council has almost uniformly said uh no um and uh it's basically it's a section 21 to 23 in the uh state law that would allow for um you know basically it would it would essentially take away unions ability to collective bargain and bargain it would put them in front of an arbitrator and i believe that arbitrator typically sides with the municipality based on the records um, so that's one of the reasons that they haven't uh, well, done again, that. But again, you got to get an arbitrator who's an arbitrator, not the no. tool of the uh, school committee or the government or whatever. And uh, you got to get somebody who's neutral and who looks at it and you know does everything in the best best interest of everybody. If you're just going to use it to slap down teachers, who's going to want to get into teaching? Even no. now, I think you got some problems. As it's the only thing I hear advertised on your radio about. Hey, you know, uh, teachers affect the future. This and that. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. you know, be a teach. I, I don't hear him say. Be a, be a firefighter. Uh, be a yeah, police officer. Right. So there's big shortages in those jobs too. To get teachers, you know. The other thing I, I wanted to bring up with you too, as well as you know, grist for the mill is I think your friend Jake Oxenkos. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name yeah. right. Has come up with a, uh, if I get it right, with a bill to do like Scott Brown had done and to stop Congress from uh, doing insider training. Yeah, I know. I think he's one of the. I think he's one of the. Um I don't know if it's his bill. He's on the, he's on, he was on financial services. He's the vice chair of financial mm-hmm. services. So mm-hmm. that makes sense that he'd sponsor that legislation. I am actually going to have Jake Auchincloss on soon. I was just talking to his press secretary, mm-hmm. maybe this week yeah. uh, or ne- or next week, but we're, we're booking him soon. So I can ask him more about that. Well, well, that is a good thing. That's one of the things Scott Brown put in. And then after Scott Brown got defeated for Elizabeth, I'm going to run for national office warrant. <laughs> okay. Yeah. She just doesn't do the job here. You know, uh, you know, uh, I think that's great. People shouldn't go into Congress and have the chance to do some insider training that you and I yes. can't do. We'd be put in jail if we did it. Ye- okay. Yes. And that's 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 just ridiculous that they uh, they allow that and that they should be called on that that sort of thing. Well, there were senators in the uh, remember the House Intelligence Committee that were caught insider trading. One of them. Uh, 
Kelly Loeffler from Georgia ended up I actually losing her seat over it. But mm-hmm. frankly, her husband is the chair of the New York Stock Exchange. That's legal for some reason. And uh, and um, she ended up losing her reelection uh, yeah. based on that and a few other things. She wasn't a great candidate. Well, yeah, but I, I that's, that's happened. It's it's they 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 traded based on information they learned before we all did that yep. this pandemic yeah. was going to was going to you know basically kill the economy and and one of the things that they she they knew this they knew this to a certain degree to the point where she invested in remote office software mm-hmm. incredible it was yeah. incredible yeah yeah that, that, that just shouldn't be they shouldn't be allowed to trade no i agree they, they get more information than anybody else and it's a shame on them that they that they're keeping that that there uh okay next issue uh, uh, the pay raises, as I understand it, the mayor s- said on radio he signed it into law. Yeah, he said it on Tim's show. Those people get the twenty-five percent pay raise or the twenty-five thousand dollar. But he raise. wants to revisit it. Well, I think it's, uh, the horse is out of the barn now, and I think that's going to be very difficult to do. To do it, it sort of reminds me of uh, American Pickers. Okay, we'll come in for fifty. Uh, John Mitchell says uh, from his study, we'll come in for ten to twelve. Uh, oh, well, okay, we'll meet in the middle of twenty-five. You know, <laughs> yeah. there was an, a, a, a lady that came on, gave some very good arguments to uh, you know, stick with yeah, to stick with the uh, the, the you know the ten thousand or twelve thousand, which would be more in in line. So I don't know who's the winner, who's the loser there, the mayor or the uh, city council, or did they both win? What do you think? I, you know, well, I mean, like he said, he he signed it, even though he had a problem with those pay raises. He felt compelled to sign it because it it did. Besides those pay raises that he had an issue with, the ones that uh, Morad had implemented, um, besides those pay raises that he did have issue with, there were necessary pay raises for all of those positions that he needs to fill and that they haven't been able to fill specifically because they were paying so low. So well, well, I think it was a win. I think it was a win for him for sure. For the city council, we'll see. Again, though, we got a we got a Congress that's willing to hold up. What is it? The uh, uh, the, the debt ceiling. Uh, debt, uh, what, what is it? The, the debt ceiling. Yeah, the debt ceiling. And uh, we, we got to worry about a little jam here that somebody might not get paid right away in the, in the city <laughs> that they, they might have to wait a little longer. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I can't see him not saying, no, I'm going to sign. I'm going to send it back to them and let them talk about it a little bit more. You know, I, I think that would have been a tougher position. I think optically it looks good for him. Oh, yeah, it does. Uh, but really, when you look at it, though, yeah. he came out with the right figure, ten to $12,000 tops. <laughs> Okay, yeah. and really he surrendered because the horse is out of the barn now, and the city council would never come back and revisit that again once he's put his. Well, name they, you know what they've they've they haven't said no. I mean, you talk. I've heard Burgo, Morad. I talked to Ian Abreu last week on air. They've all said, you know, they haven't said no. We're not revisiting that. We really feel strongly about it. They said, well, it depends on what his you know his proposal is. We'll see. So they haven't. They they're well, not. I, I hope I, think I get feel the heat from that. I hope I get proven wrong. I would like to say to the voters, remember in November, but after what happened with the dismal showing in, in Ward 3, I yeah. don't think it'd be, <laughs> that's uh, much of a threat. Well, you know? you know, that was, I mean, that was really bad, um, yeah. and it's embarrassing, but yeah. there is a, uh, there there will be a higher, t- I can, I I am fairly certain of the fact that there'll be a higher turnout in uh, in in the in the November elections, it is a special like the Ward Three turnout is really inexcusably bad, mm-hmm. right? But it's a special preliminary election mm-hmm. in January mm-hmm. in a single ward, so mm-hmm. it's a little bit it's a li- it's a little bit different than the citywide elections. But the citywide elections, the turnout hasn't been great either. Mm-hmm. Maybe issues like this could drive turnout. Maybe it could drive some uh, more candidates to jump in. I know I've had well, some people. Question. 
I've heard some whispering whisperings of people. I can't say who yet, but I've heard whisperings of people wanting to jump into races with, be, because the because of that issue. With the Ward three candidates, are you going to have them in for debate or just individually? I'm hoping both. Okay, um, I'm That's hoping great. both. They, I said, you know, I, I've I had them both on. Them, I'm out of Ward three, but you know. I'm, I'm hoping. I'm hoping uh, it's important. I mean, they're they're mm-hmm. one of eleven votes on on all these things that we're talking about, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm hoping both. Uh, I haven't reached out to them for another interview yet, but they, you know, when they came on, I I thought they were really good. I really enjoyed talking to them. So did Chris. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we'll we'll um we'll see how that plays out. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely I'm gonna definitely reach out. Well, you you guys have done yeoman's work in trying to get people interested in uh, in, in the elections, and uh, you know I, I don't think it's ever been done better by even the Standard Times when they were fully engaged and mm-hmm. everything. And Thank you. I, I I know you guys kind of felt a little hurt that <laughs> after all your work, the, the you know the, the the voter turnout wasn't as great as it was. But yeah. uh, you can never blame the voters. I, know, the voters are the voters. You got to try well, to get them in there. Like I talked about it before, it was more or less in line with when I um. When I was doing, uh, you know, Hughes campaign back in 2017, mm-hmm. I remember on the general election day, it was there were 680 something votes, 685 votes uh, about what last week mm-hmm. um, total. There were about 685 votes in the the general election for Ward Three. Now that was a blowout, mm-hmm. um, but but it. It the, the the thing is with that day because I, I think there were more people that showed up in the preliminary mm-hmm. that year. I can't get those figures. I haven't been able to get a hold of them yet. But there were more people I think showed up in the preliminary. But the primary day, I mean, when I say it was a downpour, <laughs> it was really yeah. bad. That unfortunately does impact uh, turnout a great deal. So yeah. I, I think that I think you're probably going to see more or less um, this uh, the same anemic turnout. I think people that are going to vote in a preliminary special election are the same people that are going to vote in the in the general as well i doubt there's going to be a significant increase if at all any increase in the, in the turnout well your show is far more interesting than cable tv which i have on right now overpriced <laughs> cable tv which i say yeah, yeah i agree more people would listen to you you guys uh, even if they don't contribute but you just hear the, the discussion yeah. that's going on so when they go to the polls uh, they've got at least uh, some idea of what's going on you know mm-hmm. let me ask you can i ask you another question sure. yeah. okay uh what do you think for the future with Maura Healy? Do you think that maybe we might see? I, I've always felt there were Democrats, Dinos, Democrats in name only, like uh, Finneran, who uh, used to be the uh, uh, the head of the, uh, the, yeah. the, the, the general court there, the, uh, the speaker. The, or no, he was speaker. Yeah, he was speaker, yeah. speaker. I always felt he was a Dino. He yeah. was a Democrat in name only. He was actually a Republican. Do yeah. you think Maura Healy will find some of those that oppose her when she tries to get across her? Um, I know funny. you like the Marcus liberal agenda. I, I asked her. Um, I asked her that specific, uh, not that specific, but I asked her that question. Maybe the last time I saw her, I asked her. Uh, on the record, you know, who do you see as your opposition? Considering there's no yeah, Republicans yeah. On the, with the levers of power, she's, you know, she obviously gave the the canned answer. Uh, I don't think in those terms, Marcus. I think of how we get to yes and all of that. But obviously, I think of more the more more conservative Democrats. And there's there's more than just a few. I think in the state house, there's plenty of Democrats that are would probably identify as Republicans in well, different states, like what's more your, swing states. What's but your take on Marino? What is he anyway? Uh, Mariano. Mariano. That's it. Yeah. My understanding of Mariano is he is, is that he is more of a centrist. Yeah, I that's my understanding so of Mari. Yeah. That, that's my understanding of of Mariano. That he's more of a centrist. He's yeah. not. He's not really a. a 
necessarily a tax and spend type of uh, liberal that a lot of people would th- would think of. Although the, the state house doesn't mind spending a lot of money, he is, I think, would be a guy, Mario, and that's part of the reason why he's in leadership is that he's he's more of a guy that would rein stuff in rather than. Yeah. Um, but what what is interesting about that about the dynamics between um, Healy and state leadership mm-hmm. on one particular issue, and I, I've talked about this a little bit, is the is the college uh, the the free college plan where mm-hmm. more Healy's actually to the right of of uh karen spilka on the on their free college plan more healy wants some you know some more means testing basically saying you have to be over 25 and not having gotten a college degree and um and uh and spilka says let's make all community college free marty Meehan was on otr yeah Yeah, marty Meehan was on otr yes he was on otr over the weekend and he had said Basically, that he supports. Obviously, he supports uh, Healy's plan because yeah. that'd be less. I mean, you know, obviously, more community college students yeah. uh, would be less. You know, less for for the UMass system well, in I general. The community college problem too is they're not getting as many students there, so that means jobs. They're not jobs. You know? Yeah, they're not. They're getting a lot less. Stu- they're yeah. getting a lot less students there. And frankly, community college is a, is really a, a great a great pathway to absolutely to, to, absolutely yeah i think when you get out of high school a lot of kids don't know too what they want to do if they want to go on to college and it gives them a little taste of it yeah. and it makes them find out if they're if they want it or they don't and at not too much money and as i understand too if you do well there you have to be accepted to a state college i think am i right or am i wrong uh yeah you, they they have a lot of programs yeah. yeah probably but they have a lot of programs too where like I think BCC has an agreement with Bridgewater for example where yeah. I, I went to Bridgewater yeah. um they had a, they had an agreement with Bridgewater basically that you know if you hit a certain benchmark yeah I think you get into those programs yeah. or you can take Bridgewater classes yeah, while you're at BCC yeah, and all that. that that's great that's great yeah. to have you know that sort of stuff yeah. well Marcus I don't want to keep and hog the whole thing with just fine. so I hope you have a good night I hope like a guy like Tom Kennedy's listening and he can call in because he usually has a has a good uh, you know a perspective on things sure uh and the other thing i'll say is since i'm an older guy you have more invested in this than me when i heard that chuck passed away he's younger than me and yeah. so uh, i would hope more people your age call the program get involved and uh you know uh again like i say it, it's better than watching uh you know the mass singer as far as i'm concerned you know on tv yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 agree. I agree, and I think actually there is, there's a like you know you always you never know it, but you you go when I'm out in the field when I'm doing field reporting, there's people that I've never met before that'll approach me That's and great. say, hey, I'm great. I'm listening, and you, I think you it's great. You got to get people involved, and like I say, uh, me being Chuck Sage, I was shocked when I heard he had passed. Yeah, me too. And I'm actually older than him, and so yeah. it, it's about the future. Really, too, what we need is, and I'm not talking Donald Trump. We need a political messiah. Somebody that can come and, you know, somehow with uh, their poise and their manner and uh, can get this country together and get people working together and not yelling and screaming. and uh, That's what they thought Obama was going to be, right? I thought he was, too. I thought yeah. he was, too. I was, you know, disappointed that he didn't. Uh, it would be, have to be somebody to have his type of charisma, I would yeah. say. And brains, too, as well, you know, right. hopefully. I agree. Okay. Take care. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for the time. All right, uh, 508-996-0500. Um, I'll tell you what, what we're going to do now is we'll take a break, and then we will be right back. This is South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow. 1420 WBS. Farrow. Chris will be back later in the week. Uh, tomorrow, uh, special guest host Jared Valenzuela. He's the um, uh, Republican uh, Plymouth County Commissioner. I'd heard him on... Um, <clears throat> 
Justice Show. I'd met him uh, actually. I, I uh, made a uh, I made an appearance on Justice Show uh, Saturday. Um, so not this Saturday, the previous Saturday, and I uh, got a chance to talk with him. And uh, I think it'll be uh, fun and interesting. So, and we'll have Chris later in the week. Um, looking forward to all the stuff that we have going on. We do have Mayor Mitchell on uh, Wednesday at seven. He's coming on. Um, you know, he'll do his regular appearance on the Tim Weisberg show, but we're going to talk to him about, I think the crux of the conversation is going to be um, the Voctech admissions uh, debate that he's been having with the administration. So uh, really important stuff that uh, is really coming to the forefront after, you know, a school committee, Voc school committee appointment was, um, was uh, rejected by the, uh, by the council. So we'll talk more with Mayor Mitchell about that later in the, later in the week. But um, for, for now, I'm with you at 508-996-0500. One of the ways that people are really accessing the show, and I, I think you can too, um, is the podcast downloads. We're really doing a great job with the, with the podcast downloads. We're, we're, I mean, I, I, you know, I look, I check the numbers every day and it's really, um, it's really, it's great. Um, it gives, I think, you know, every show that we have here on WBSM, every hour of programming, of local programming that we have, Phil's show, Barry's show, Tim's show, Ken's show, Brian's show, Jim Phillips' show, um, Jess's show, uh, the newscasts, uh, Kate Robinson and Phil Devitt's newscasts. They're all available on podcasts, which is, I think, just such a great feature. We didn't have that when I first started here. And, uh, God, there's some, there's some, uh, there's some radio gold that Chris and I had that, uh, is sort of, uh, out there in the ether, but, uh, but, uh, but, uh, it's now available and I know a lot of people have been accessing the programming that way. Uh, I can see it and it's really encouraging. And, um, the other thing is, uh, you know, when I get out there too, I get out there and I, I go, I get out in the field, there's people that will approach me. Um, and tell me about, you know, that they've been listening and they, you know, they enjoy the show and all of that. And it's all really encouraging. It's what, uh, it's what keeps you going. You know, it's what it definitely is what, um, yeah, it's what, what keep, you know, actually when I had, um, and when I had Lieutenant Governor, uh, Driscoll on when she was the candidate, she talked about, oh my, just Marcus, the amount of people that from my, I know from the area that told, told me, you know, I was that we were, um they had heard me on the show was was great i'm like okay awesome cool <laughs> that's great i'm glad so uh the digital format the the expanding digital footprint of wbsm has really broadened the reach of our audience in a way that i think a lot of local stations aren't doing um i think as effectively as we are frankly and uh it's it's a great way to access that programming so i have a good actually to that to that point i have a really good piece on wbsm.com that you can check out about um about uh the increase in tax revenue that massachusetts is going to see about a 1.6 increase in tax revenue 40 billion dollars it was a statement released by the massachusetts department of administration and uh and f- and uh and finance and uh along with um chairman mike rodericks friend of the show uh and uh chairman um aaron michaelowitz of uh, the ways and means and so uh you can definitely check that out on wbsm.com there's going to be more we have a lot more articles out during the week that highlight some of the some of the conversations that we've been having on this show with members of the delegation right you know i've obviously covered the ash street news pretty um 
pretty intensely, <laughs> honestly. Um, you know, I, I really, even though that sheriff election is over, the beginning of Haro's tenure as sheriff has certainly uh, grabbed a lot of headlines in a way that I think maybe a lot of people weren't, uh, maybe a lot of people weren't expecting, or you were expecting. I, I don't know. I definitely wasn't expecting um, this much uh, newsworthy stuff to come out this quickly, you know, over over time, especially when you're talking about the gradual changes that we're going to make. And the Astrid thing is going to take years, right? If it gets off the ground, it's going to take uh, years, but we'll see if they're if they move forward with that feasibility study, I think it's I think it's a I think it's a good start. So five zero eight nine nine six oh five hundred is how you can join me on the program. Uh, how you can join me on the program this evening. So yeah, I, the the you know in terms of I think the um, the the bridges thing, and again, I, I think Congressman Keating's going to join end up joining us later in the week. Uh, so I'll, I'll ask him more about this. Uh, what when uh, when uh, Senator Warren was on with John Keller, I heard I heard the interview, and she was talking about she was basically talking about how the state needs to do a better job uh, at applying for the because uh, the states are the ones that make the application, not the federal government. And what they need, they didn't have a plan that made it uh, that that made the made that basically um, was up to muster for an approval of a billion dollars, which is a heck of a lot of money of bipartisan infrastructure bill funds. So I think the, what was the bipartisan infrastructure? Was it about, it wasn't a trillion, right? But should have been, should have been more than that actually. But of course, you know, Congress and how that works. So we'll, we'll track that. We'll ask Congressman Keating when he's on and, and I'm, I'm booking, uh, we're, we're booking uh, Congressman Auchincloss as well. I've had contacts with his press team too. Uh, about booking an interview. So we'll talk to him about a lot of those uh, important uh, issues, some of the bills that have been filing. One of the interesting things Auchincloss did recently was deliver a speech on the House floor that was entirely generated from artificial intelligence, which is cool, but uh, (laughs) also kind of terrifying, uh, honestly, that um, AI could make such, you know, a cogent, could make a cogent enough speech to be delivered by a sitting member of Congress. Uh, and, you know, MIT, Harvard graduate, right, on the floor of Congress. Uh, it's kind of, it's cool, but I think it's actually kind of terrifying. So we'll talk with him definitely more about that. And the ongoing situation in Ukraine, I mean, I think there's been a lot of talk uh, against, you know, a lot of that's based on some of the discourse that's come out of the uh, the, the speakership battle with, with Kevin McCarthy about, whether or not we need to send $40 billion to Ukraine and all of that. And I think the members of our delegation for sure, um, and I, when I mean our, I'm not talking just about Massachusetts. I'm talking more specifically about, you know, our our two South Coast congressmen, uh, Jake Auchincloss and Bill Keating, are definitely on the pro-Ukrainian aid side. And I think they will be able to, and they have um, definitely throughout their t- uh, throughout this, this ongoing saga, um, have really i think effectively put forward a good argument for maintaining uh military aid and funding um for ukraine in their fight for independence from vladimir putin and russia it is difficult right because we got out of a 20 some odd year quagmire in afghanistan and iraq um but i mean if we're being honest 
I think the and I'm not a pro-interventionalist by any stretch of the imagination, quite the opposite, right? Uh, I think that the reasonings for getting into Iraq and Afghanistan were less obvious and less, you know, less straightforward than the reasons for um, providing assistance for um, the war in Ukraine. Whether or not that translates to boots on the ground, we'll, we'll, I mean, we'll see. Uh, it would be, I think, an unfortunate development if that <clears throat> if that happened. But I think a lot of people understand now, or I think the, the general belief from the public is, you know, after getting out of Iraq and Afghanistan, is that the reasons for getting into those wars were not based on anything, the public reasons. The public reasons for getting into that war were not really based in the sort of, um, in, in the reasoning that uh, they said it was at the outset. There was a few reasons. One, the weapons of mass destruction. Turns out that wasn't true, right? That Iraq had mass, uh, weapons of mass destruction. Um, Saddam Hussein was involved in 9-11. Nope, he wasn't, right? Um, we're going to sow the seeds of democracy. That went super well, right? Uh, I think it's a little bit different in, in the Ukrainian people's situation. I think it's a more clear and obvious situation where you're seeing a, a belligerent, you know, a belligerent nation try to um, consume, right, a smaller, uh, a smaller bordering nation. Um, and, you know, for, you know, empirical, you know, empirical pursuits and that, you know, the United States is, you know, uh, a necessary ally in preventing that from happening. I think that's, it seems a little more clear and obvious than the reasonings for getting into the Iraq and Afghanistan war, things like that. So, uh, and some of the other, you know, probably less uh, justifiable military interventions the United States has. I do, you know, you've got to acknowledge it's it's difficult to reconcile uh, a lot of the Ukrainian aid, uh, the, a lot of the Ukrainian aid and, and lining up behind Ukraine with U.S.'s, you know, sordid history of um, intervention in places they probably shouldn't intervene in. Uh, so I think a lot of goodwill or a lot of um, benefit of the doubt is definitely lost on that. But, you know, again, I think this the way this is playing out is a little bit different than definitely Iraq and Afghanistan for sure. I think with Iraq and Afghanistan, unfortunately, right. We lost a lot of American soldiers, a lot of civilian lives over there. And, uh, what we're, you know, what I think what a lot of people have come to the, come to believe and accept as, is that the reasons for going there weren't, You know, the reasons put forward weren't true, uh, for sure. And it was grounded in a lot of faulty intelligence and outright misrepresentations of the uh, of the geopolitical dynamics over there. So 508-996-0500 is how you can join me. I'm going to take another break. 1420 WBSM can now be heard on 99.5 FM. Is your WBSM isn't just a broadcast. It's also a podcast. Get all of our podcasts at WBSM.com, the WBSM app, or just search WBSM on your favorite podcast provider. Hey, welcome back. 508-996-0500. Good evening. 
Hey, Marcus, how you doing? Good. How's it going, Tom? Well, you're talking about uh, Ukraine. If you go back to 2000, I think it was 14, uh, when Putin first uh, took over Crimea. Yep. Right, right before that, uh, an organization on K Street that was basically handling Russian investments. I think it was. So, for people who don't know, K Street is basically where the lobbying firms in DC are, right? Right. Yeah. And uh, they were handling the Russian investments uh, in this country. That, and uh, don't hold me to it. I think it was called the Calton Group. But uh, I'm listening to NPR, and they were the ones that notified uh, the Kremlin about a subsidiary of an oil company that was attempting to bring liquefied natural gas uh, up the Black Sea into Ukraine. And Putin got a hold of that, and within two weeks he was invading Crimea. So let's not forget what sparked this whole thing. Because uh, I think that's important for for geopolitical reasons for the world, you know, which which brings me to the discussion, the quick discussion I'll have tonight uh, regarding uh, Mayor Lang's uh, push uh, for fusion and what that would mean. Right. You know, when you eliminate oil from the world market as a commodity or as a weapon of war, everything gets turned upside down. So in this country where they have the scientists have uh, cracked that that uh, that effort, if you will, showing it to be uh, proven that they can do this. I think that, uh, and you can ask Congressman uh, uh, Keaton about this. Shouldn't all that be under a national security situation to ramp that whole uh, concept up yeah. and begin begin the planning on it? Well, I'm sure there's and, some. I'm definitely. I'm sure there's some. DOD research into uh, going into that nuclear fusion stuff, too. Yeah. yeah. If we could, can you imagine if this can get done and, like, you know, if you ramp it up and it gets done within three and five years, mm-hmm. you know, we, we could be leaders again throughout the world. And instead of using energy as a weapon, you use it for advancement. Humankind. Well, maybe the new fi- maybe the new findings could accelerate some of. The, I mean, because a lot of that would would come down to funding, right? So maybe some of the new findings can accelerate some of the funding, which would accelerate the timeline on that. But you know, it's something you know that 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 ha- we've been hearing for a long time has been like ten years away. Now where it does seem obviously closer than ever. Um, but yeah, if those if that if those findings are real, then uh, I, of course I'm 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 sure that. The industry behind that is going to be looking for accelerated funding from the federal government because federal government subsidies basically fund all of the scientific and medical research in this country. Yeah, I mean, the repercussions, if the public is educated uh, to down to even the folks like me, the little folks on what this could do to the world, mm-hmm. I'd be willing to put up 10 percent of my income toward it. I mean, yeah. you, you would change the whole world. All these efforts about change the world, change the world. This is the one that would change the world, yeah. and uh, uh, we'd turn it back on its head. Uh, with, with eliminates pollution, stops war, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I, I think that that concerted campaign effort, if you will, uh, to the public and the education to the public on, on what this could mean, is very, very important. Uh, even if it doesn't get done in five years, even if it gets done in ten years. You know, at least the next generation will have something to look forward to. Because I know, for example, in things like housing, you got a generation of folks out there that are laughing about the housing crisis. I mean, you know what they're saying? They're saying, well, 
when all these baby boomers die, the, the market <laughs> for housing is going to be flooded. Yeah. You stop thinking about it. That's how nitty gritty they get down to it. They're still living at home with their parents. They're just waiting. You right. Know? And uh, I, I, I heard that. I started laughing. I heard they're right. You know. But, uh, well, it's uh, kind of like the job open. I mean, as crass as that sound, it's kind of like well, how all the job openings are happening too, right? Yeah, that too. Yeah, 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 for yeah. sure. But uh, looking forward to April for the housing folks from Washington to come in. Uh, even myself, uh, I took a whack this month. Rent increases. I can't handle it no more. Yeah. I got to get out, and I don't have much time to do it. Yeah, that's I, it's a sad reality for a lot of people, um, especially yeah. on on fixed incomes and stuff. Is that is yeah. that you got to you got to increase housing uh, available housing options for 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 seniors and just even for people who are, are unable to f- afford the housing options now. Yeah, it's incredible. But anyway, time's up. Got to go. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. I got to take this break. Actually, we'll be right back. Fourteen. Joe, I'm Marcus. Just wrapping up. Um, again, tomorrow uh, we'll have a special guest host, Jared v- uh, Valenzola. Chris will be back later in the week. We're going to have Mayor Mitchell on as well. Um, so we've got a really good uh, we got a really good show planned for you. Mitchell's on Wednesday, um, so Chris and I will be talking to him Wednesday. So we got a really good show planned for you for next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, this this week, not next week. Next week will be great too, um, but this week it's going to be a lot of fun. And so we're really looking forward to talking with you then uh, throughout the week. You can call at 508-996-0500 or you can take our messages on the WBSM app chat. One of the things I do want to say, you know, uh, just to just to go to sports for a second, uh, you know, the, the calls in the Kansas City game, you know, some of the calls weren't great. NFL refs are bad at their job. So are NBA refs. But, uh, you know, a lot of people saying that the refs rigged the game for the Chiefs. Um, I think a lot of them are haters <laughs> and babies uh, because um, the Bengals didn't deserve to lose that. Game. The Bengals did not. Did, the Bengals deserve to lose that game. They did not deserve to win. Joe Burrow didn't play well. He played like crap. The O line played terribly as well. They let up like four sacks in the first half, and the Chiefs were frankly just a better team. They've been a better team all year. The two teams playing in the Super Bowl are the two have been the two best teams in the NFL throughout the year. By far. And so, I don't know, just something I wanted to comment on because it was kind of bothering me a little bit. I was like, oh, the Chiefs, you know, the Chiefs, the, congrats to the refs. Like, Pat Mahomes played on one foot with a, with a, with four, I think three or four of his starting receivers.